It is early morning. The sun is shining brightly through the window into a small, well-organized little room. The walls are whitewashed. There are a lot of shelves with ancient books on, and towards the wall opposite the door is a desk. At this desk is sitting a late middle-aged human woman, Mother Euphemia. She is very carefully scratching some text on a wax tablet. She keeps grabbing and scrutinizing scrolls around her and taking more notes. There is a knocking on the door. Please come in. The door opens to reveal Sister Agatha and another very old woman. The woman is so old that she is leaning on Agatha and looks very much like a crumpled pile of clothes. Mother Euphemia. Mother Euphemia looks up in surprise and hurriedly gets up from her desk, rushing to find a chair for the ancient woman. Girls, yes, uh, girls, new girls have arrived. Well, if you can call them girls, they're both at least 30, and worst of all, they have very distinct personalities. Euphemia manages to clear a chair of scrolls for Helga, who very slowly and painfully shuffles over to it. Indeed. Well, that doesn't seem to have been a bad thing, does it? Please take a seat, Sister Helga. Yes, but one of the twain be a sister from the Scorching Sun sect, and the other has been working as a barmaid during the last four marriages, apparently. Sister Helga very, very slowly tries to bend to sit on the chair. Mother Euphemia watches her painfully. The old woman starts to bend at the waist and freezes. She then slowly straightens back up again and tries to sit down again. The other two women pause in fascinated horror to watch the show. Agatha moves as if to assist Sister Helga, but is waved impatiently away. Finally, Mother Euphemia tears herself away from the site. Um, I noticed you said only two candidates. Could we not find any more? Helga freezes mid-sitting down position, looks up at Mother Euphemia and blinks. Then slowly, like a tortoise, tries to bow in apologies to her. My, my apologies, Mother. It seems that young people these days are not interested in serving gods. Mother Euphemia hurriedly waves her hands at the ancient woman's apologies. Uh, no, no, Sister Helga. Please do not worry. We have always been a small sect. It's perfectly fine. Mother Dismas said, before passing on this role to me, that we prefer quality over quantity at our sanctuary of the small tears. The old woman nods and finally, finally sits down. There is a moment of peace. Her chair is in the sunbeam of the window. Her face creases into a smile and for a moment, it seems like the old lady has transcended this mortal coil as she closes her eyes in relief. The other two women stare at her. So, uh, shall we get the welcome ceremony started? They both stare at the ancient woman, who has just sat down with so much difficulty. Um, Sister Helga, can I leave you to guard my very important papers, please? Uh, we shan't be long. The old lady waves, still with her eyes closed. Oh, yes. Oh, important. Uh, 
Standing in the sun on a warm spring morning in the little courtyard are two women. One is tall and skinny, the other one is short and curvy. The short woman is wearing colorful but well-worn peasant clothes. She is wearing a beautifully embroidered blouse with stays and a big voluminous skirt that had once been a brilliant wine color but is now a faded dark red with torn hem and mudstains on it. Her sleeves are rolled up revealing strong brown arms with bangles on. She has a lot of rings on her fingers. Her hair is a luxurious mass of brown curls, half tied up in a dark red scarf. She is probably in her late thirties and seems to have lived a good life. The tall woman is wearing a starched yellow robe and headscarf. She has three or four overrobes in different shapes. The whole look is modest with a capital M. It is very stiff, very clean. There is no ornament or details on her outfit at all. The sleeves are so long as to dangle over her hands, hiding them completely. She has a very stiff high collar that seems to be strangling her. Her dress comes to the floor. Her whole appearance looks a bit like a yellow candle. Her face is sharp, expressionless, and maybe a bit sour. I hope that old sister Elgrant died on the way to fight Mother Superior. The tall woman ignores her. I shouldn't joke. That woman is probably older than all of us put together. I wouldn't want to tempt fate. One shouldn't mock the dead. Ah, you just killed her off then. At this moment, Mother Euphemia arrives. Who's killed who off? Um, I was just saying the past me has um, been killed off by the tranquility of this place and the new me is ready to take on this new life. Both women stare at her. I am glad you've been moved to such an extent by our humble sanctuary. Mother Euphemia bows. My name is Mother Euphemia. I am the abbess of this sanctuary. May I ask your names? The tall, thin woman, dressed as a nun, bows. My name is Sister Letitia Ilia, daughter of the merciful Scorching Sunsect. Oh my, the Scorching Sunsect. They are very um, devoted to the sun. I'm afraid, uh, Sister Letitia, that you may find our ways a little lax here. Our sanctuary is more known for its uh, informal approach. It is quite all right. I was taught by the most devout sister in our sect. I'm sure I can help bring this sanctuary closer to the sun's ways. Ah, yes. Thank you. Bloodwin gurns at this and secretly rolls her eyes. She then steps forward and curtsies. Hello, Reverend Mother. My name is Bloodwin. I've had so many family names in the past that I've given up remembering them. So, can you just call me Blodwin? Mother Euphemia bows. Welcome, Blodwin. May I ask your reason for joining us? Ah, well, you see, I've lived enough of life to last me two lifetimes, and I'd like a simple, quiet life now. Your sanctuary always struck me as a cosy place, and I might be useful to you. I can cook and clean and sew and weave 
and I'm pretty good at most things around the house and garden. Oh, I can also deliver babies and help with basic medicine. Oh, my, you are indeed a well-rounded person. <laughs> In more ways than one. Bloodwin glares at her, and Mother Euphemia looks up inquiringly, not having heard properly. It does no good to brag. It's good that you can do many things, but you should simply do what you are told and do it well. No need to list your skills out. The sun knows well your real worth. Mother Euphemia coughs. <clears throat> I'm sure Blodwin was simply trying to tell me that she could be useful for our sanctuary and did not mean to brag. Now, my dears, please come with me. We have a little welcoming ceremony to carry out. Then we'll get you settled in. Oh, oh no, Mother. Isn't that the work of the head of novices? Please don't debase yourself thus. By the time she has finished saying this, Sister Agatha and Helga have finally arrived. Sister Helga is so slow she's almost moving at a glacial speed. The three other women seeing this scene pause. Oh, oh well, um, our head of novices is a very uh, tired, busy woman. And they do say that a true mother of the sanctuary is never debased when helping her sisters. They all nod relievedly as the old woman stops hobbling to stand in another sunbeam. Again, there is the weird look as if she has transcended into another dimension and the light around her intensifies. Bloodwin, now in proper priestess robes, is scrubbing away at statues in a rather non-reverential manner. She is cleaning up what looks like a small chapel. The place hasn't been cleaned for a while. She is singing a rather bawdy song while cleaning. Latiche enters the room with a bucket and some spare rags for Bloodwin and is horrified. Sister, you can't sing that in here. Why not? I learnt it from a priest of the sun. I can guarantee you that the man who sang that song was not a holy man. You were fooled. Pfft. Worship in the sun is all about the joy of living life in the sun. And part of that is singing bawdy songs. Anyway, this chapel hasn't been consecrated yet. And right now, it's just a really dirty room. We'd be better with a woodland sanctuary. That isn't the point. We are supposed to present a good example. Look... Do you want me to get this wretched room clean, or do you want to do it? Latiche looks around at the layers of dust, cobwebs and leaves, and she wrinkles her nose. I thought so, so just shut your ears and let me get on with work. Latiche looks irritated. She drops the bucket and hurries off. Bloodwin and Latiche are wiping down shelves in one corner of the cloisters. They come to the offering shelf. The shelf has loads of little tiny clay amulets in the shapes of various body parts. It is clearly some kind of healing wishing shrine. Some of the amulets are small and cheaply made. Some are made of carved wood and even some of gold. The two women carefully take them off the shelf and start wiping them and the shelves clean, as well as the usual hands, feet, arms and legs. There are some more interestingly shaped amulets. Sons above. This man must have had an interesting life. What do you mean? 
Well, so far, I've found two arms, a leg, a liver, and an eye. I think this is a lung, and they've all got same name on. Poor man must be suffering greatly. Maybe he's an invalid. Bloodwin picks up something and starts snorting with laughter. <laughs> what? Oh, he's given up his most recent one. It's a full-body amulet. Look! She holds up a little statue of a man. Oh, dear. Poor man. I hope he found peace. Death more like. She shakes the little doll. Don't do that! You will curse the poor man. At this point, I doubt this chap's life can get much worse. She shakes the tiny doll again. An old man in his nightcap and gown is suddenly lifted up out of his sickbed and levitates around the room, screaming. Latish grabs the doll off Bloodwin and carefully puts it back down. Put that down. Don't behave like a child. You should be ashamed of yourself behaving like that at your age. Eh? I had my first child at 15, thank you very much. I'm catching up on the fun I missed. Latish snorts. She then takes a closer look at Bloodwin's hands. Bloodwin's fingers are covered in cheap rings. <laughs> what are all of those tawdry rings? Some of them are mad elf string. The sisters are not supposed to be vain in their appearance. Take them off. Bloodwin smiles at her. Nunya. Nunya. Nunya business. You ain't above me, so don't you get telling me what to do. Latish frowns, and Bloodwin turns her back to her and continues wiping down amulets. Sister Helga and some of the older sisters are sitting peacefully dozing. They are woken up by a distant shouting getting louder in the hallway outside. The old women look up to see Bloodwin and Letitia arrive, yelling at each other. I don't care if it is the holy thing to do. Give me back my ruddy rings. You can't wear rings as a priestess of the sun. You're supposed to give up all attachments to the outside world. The combatants traverse the dining room and head for the door at the far side. In your nutcase fanatic hellhole, maybe. I checked with Mother Euphemia, and she said that I can keep things of great importance to me, and those rings are important. Oh, please. Those cheap, tawdry things. You just want to look flashy. Vanity of vanities. Bloodwin is scarlet in the face with anger. The abbess of this sanctuary said it was all right. It ain't your place to go telling me what to do. You probably bullied the... The boy. shouting fades as the two women disappear deeper into the building. The old women look at each other apprehensively. Oh, dear. Sister Agatha is walking along a narrow overgrown path in the sanctuary gardens. It is late afternoon. The sunset is a beautiful orange pink. She comes around a corner and walks into Bloodwin, who is standing staring at a burning brazier with a look of satisfaction. Agatha stares at her. Ah, what art thou doing in this alien, Sister Bloodwin? Burning something. I can tell us that it smells like hair. Yep. It's all those horrible, weird, fake relics that Letitia keeps in her room. They're false idols, so I'm burning them. I believe that those were very expensive holy amulets, you know. 
They were of great value. Yeah, well, so were my wedding rings that she threw into the river. Well, didst thou tell her they were thy wedding rings? That's not the point. She stole my stuff and threw it away. That they were my wedding rings just makes it worse. Agatha sighs and pinches her nose. It is early morning. The sky is just starting to brighten and a horse gallops into the courtyard. A man wrapped up in a big cloak jumps off, carrying what looks like a child bundled up. He puts the child down, holds her hand and runs to the door. He hammers on it. The priestesses are woken up by the hammering and they hurry to open the main door. I must speak to your mother, Abess. Now. Bloodwin looks at the desperate man. He is holding the small blonde child who looks utterly exhausted. Follow me, stranger. Mother Euphemia is draped with a blanket around her nightgown, but is wearing her headdress. The old sisters are sitting and standing around the room. Bloodwin and Letitia are in the hallway, eavesdropping at the open door. She's only seven. She's too young to be married. Of course. Can you not stop your wife? I'm a soldier, ma'am. I travel where the wars be. My wife is a trader. She is richer than me and comes from a good family. What she wants to do, I cannot stop. I can't take the child with me to war. I can't leave her with my wife. I only just made it back in time to snatch her away. The proposed groom this time was old enough to be her grandfather. It's all right, son. The man takes a big, shuddering breath and hugs the little girl to him. If you give her over to us, you must understand. Yes, your wife will have no claim over her, but neither will you. The girl will belong to us until she is of age. Then she can make her own decision whether to become a priestess, enter a trade, or marry. Yes, yes, anything for her to be safe from that harridan. My daughter barely sees me anyway. Can I come and visit? Only on the holy days, my son. The man nods. He pulls out a big bag of coins and drops it on the desk. He bends down to his daughter and takes hold of her hands. Listen, I'm not a good father, and your mother is an even worse mother. These sisters are going to look after you and keep you safe. You be a good girl and listen to them, do you hear? Estrafar, I'll come and visit when I can. Letitia and Bloodwin were listening at the door. The door opens wider, and Letitia takes to rubbing the door jam, pretending she wasn't listening. Bloodwin just stares at the man as he leaves. She and Letitia crowd into the threshold and look at the child. Euphemia is holding the child's hand. She is an exquisite creature, more like some kind of fairy. The child's face is blank, and she doesn't seem to be there at all. This seems to break Bloodwind's heart. She reaches out to the little girl and pulls her to her skirts, patting her shoulders. There, there, love. Don't you worry. Big sister Bloodwind is going to look after you. Letiche steps forward and pats the little girl's head. And this sister will make sure to compensate for the damage Bloodwind does. Sister Helga whacks them both on the back with her stick. Ow! Uh, you have a great responsibility now. 
This uh, child will need us all. So, no fighting. Yes. We don't mother. fight, Mother. I've seen me try to set fire to lettuce while she hit you with a ladle. Both women look a bit embarrassed, and Bloodwin absent-mindedly rocks the little girl against her. Estrafar is standing on the kitchen table as Bloodwin is carefully pinning a mini-novice habit to the girl. The child is staring blankly, not interacting with Bloodwin. See? The best part of these habits is you don't have to worry about what to wear. I'm a pretty good seamstress. I made all my kids' clothes. I can make your habit look however you want. Bloodwin looks up at the little girl, noting the absence of response. I'll make you a simple pretty one, and then we can go look at the statues in the cloister. That might give you an idea of what type of dresses you want. The child doesn't respond. You have to help me with the washing first, though. Sister Agatha managed to somehow dye her stupid robes red. At least I really hope it's dye. You never can tell with her. She looks at the small child in her makeshift novice habit and sighs. Oh, we sprout. Letitia and Bloodwin are walking along with the little girl between them. The little girl is dressed up as a novice now in the simple dress Bloodwin gave her. She has little wooden clogs, but doesn't have any sun jewellery on like the other women. This uh, reminds me of my naming ceremony. You? I thought you joined your sect all grown up. No. My mother was a woman of ill repute. The convent of the merciful scorching sun took me in and cleansed me of my mother's sins. And raised me. But they was your mother's sins, not yours. Letitia shrugs. I remember my naming ceremony as if it were yesterday. I was four. They gave me the name Letitia Ilia. All of us children with no parents were given the name Ilia. Do you get to choose your name in these ceremonies? Oh, not mine. But Mother Euphemia seems to run this sanctuary differently. So maybe she gets to choose? They both look at the child walking between them. Well, she hasn't talked in three days, so that might be a bit difficult. Inside the wooded grove that makes up the sanctuary, or main place of worship in the convent, all of the Sisters of the Sun are assembled. There are only about 15 or so of them. Most of them are very old women. Apart from the child, Bloodwin, Letitia and Euphemia are the youngest there. The little girl is standing in front of the altar. She has a little crown of yellow flowers on her head and has a beautifully embroidered golden and orange tabard put over her shoulders. And now we must find a name for our newest little sister. We've not had a child join our ranks for many years now. It used to be much more common when I was young. Tradition is rather lax on its instructions in this aspect. Since you have joined us as a sister, you must be given a new name. Whether you choose your new name or we give it to you is up to you. She smiles at the child, who just sort of stares at her little hands as she twirls her interlocked thumbs uncomfortably. Do you have a name you've always wanted to be called, little one? The child looks up at her and blinks. Letiche elbows her lightly. Answer the mother abyss, child. The girl doesn't. Hmm. I think we'll need a little patience for this young lady. She has had a difficult time. Oh, I know. 
Patience. That will be your name. Is that all right, little girl? The girl nods ever so slightly. Right. Then, in the name of the sun, and before everyone witnessing here, I welcome this young novice into the sanctuary of the sun and name her Patience. 